Praise the Lord. We can meet here on this Father's Day. This sermon, if you remember, was started two years ago. <laughs> we did it on Father's Day two years ago, two points, and we did about three points last year. And so we continue on that theme. And it's Father's Day, of course. And there are some men that are going to be fathers. Mothers are going to be mothers in the near future. And uh, some are already parents, but they're having another child. So pray for those that are expecting little ones. And two of those are with us today, Mel and Abway. And they're looking in the near future to have a couple. And then, oh, Ariel, you're here too today, yes. And Sylvia. <laughs> and, and Ariel could give you the rest of the list. <laughs> oh, Hannah and um, Jenny. No, can't remember. <laughs> so praise the Lord for these little ones, their, eter their eternal souls. Amen. God's granted them a soul and a spirit that needs to be quickened by the Spirit of God when they get saved. And I'll get to the under time of understanding. And they're very important. That's what we're emphasizing today. <clears throat> the Father's responsibility as an under-shepherd. Um, we... As I said, we started this two weeks ago, and in Psalm 23, and this is where this sermon come from, as I thought through the scriptures and picked out portions where uh, it speaks of the Father, our Heavenly Father, and his relationship to man, and likened that as we, as men, as under-shepherds, ought to follow that example. And it's, it's easy to find a lot of those. You could find hundreds. We won't do that. I'm not going to be living that long <laughs> or ministering in the pulpit here for that long but the sermon could go on but Psalm 23 that was read this morning the Lord is my shepherd he's our shepherd fathers are under shepherds as pastors are shepherds of the flock as well <clears throat> and so we'll go through God's word and consider how God through Christ shepherds and fathers us as his children and we ought to shepherd as God shepherds those in our care, under those that are come under our influence. We are to be good and godly shepherds for their sake and for the Lord's sake, for our own sake too. <laughs> and as it says in Matthew 18 verse 6, if we offend one of these little ones, what does it say about people that offend little children? Be better that a millstone were hung around their neck and they were drowned in the depths of the sea you know it's a serious thing and so we ought to consider the little ones we could offend them easily praise god for the little ones they get over little some things like that quickly <laughs> and they're forgiving even toward one another last time no two years ago we looked at a father will love his family does god love us <laughs> for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son god loves us i can't understand how a father cannot love his children i just it's just not natural but it's happening everywhere today abandoned children abandoned families with the rate of divorce at about 50 percent a lot of children haven't got fathers probably 25 percent that live with their mothers or more actually live with the mothers. I'm not saying that mothers, but there's that balance of mum and dad. 
to have that impact and influence upon the children. A father will love his family. And for one not to shows that he has not got the Lord as his saviour, no matter what they say, and how they talk black and blue to say I'm a Christian, if they do not love their family, there's something wrong inside, isn't there? Um, <clears throat> even, you know, nature teaches us the love that they have for their offspring. You know, just go out there, first tree on the left, and look straight up, and it's not far up, there's a magpie's nest there. You try and throw rocks at there. Don't, don't. We want them. They're friendly still. They're still friendly. They're not swooping us. But, you know, they'll protect their young. You go and try and take a calf off a cow and see how they'll protect their love. You know, not, it's not a love. It's nature. <laughs> Natural for them. By this perceive we the love of God that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The father will also enlighten his family. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 2, verse 32, it says, Simeon said, he said this, a light to the Gentiles and to the glory of thy people Israel. This is where as he held the Lord Jesus. He's a light to the Gentiles and to all those that hear. And that theme is taken up in the Gospel of John chapter 1 and right through John and in the epistles of John, the love of God for us and the enlightening of God to us. He enlightens us. <clears throat> when I look at commentators and medias and hear what they say in our world today and hear what they go on about, you, you, I don't know about you, but you, if they only knew what the Bible says, <laughs> if they only knew, they would have the answer to what they have. You know, Sky News is a very conservative group of people. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> and you could say you, you, you're barking up the right tree, <laughs> but you're not there yet. They just don't understand, are not enlightened by the word of God. But they have a background where somewhere they've been taught the principles. And to pray to God for their salvation, because if they got saved, they could be a great influence, couldn't they? So he will enlighten us. Fathers will enlighten their children to the truth of God's word. And that's in relation to salvation. From a child that has known the Holy Scriptures. Who taught? Well, it was the mother in that case and the grandmother that taught Timothy the Holy Scriptures. But fathers, you have a responsibility to teach them about salvation. I don't know if you've, you know, if you've had children, but our purpose, our goal, Jill and mine, was that these little ones that God has given us need to hear as early as and to understand as soon as possible about the Lord Jesus and about salvation, that they are sinners and need to be saved. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord for... Andrew gave me, shared some things that... They're, they're listening to the messages in Israel. And um, was it Leora or the next one? When I spoke on the book of life. Now, this is, these are four, five-year-olds. <clears throat> a little, little one come to mum and said... Am I in the book? Am I in the book? (laughs) They wanted to be sure they were in the book. (laughs) And, you know, little ones can understand. We need to enlighten them about salvation, about sanctification. Precept upon precept, it says, line upon line, teaching them systematically, going through, not just on the favourite subject of spiritual matters that you like, (laughs) and we've all got those, but upon the broad spread of Scripture, line upon line, precept, go through it systematically. (laughs) 
teach the children, hey, so what if they don't have a million dollars in the bank? But it's very important that they have investment in eternity through sanctifying influence of the Spirit of God in their life and teaching and training them to live the principles of God's Word. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Service. Teach them, enlighten them about service. You know the little maid that was taken captive and a servant girl to Naaman? She was from Israel and had been taken captive. And her master got leprosy. And she could have said, good, he's going to (laughs) die. But she didn't. She said, listen, if he goes down to Israel, there's a man there that will heal him of leprosy. And you know the story? But you see, she had learnt to serve. She'd been taught that back home before she was taken captive. Somewhere she had learnt that. And she was sharing that with even those that had taken her captive and out of, away from her parents and maybe even had killed her parents. So service is an, an important thing. We need to teach our children to serve the Lord. Uh, what more important job is there but to serve the Lord? And... <clears throat> We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Father will not only love his children, enlighten his children, salvation, sanctification and service, but a father will walk lowly and humbly before his children. Just as the Lord Jesus did before us in Philippians chapter chapter 2 and verses 5 to 8, we just pick out one verse, who made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even to the death of the cross isn't that the lord teaching us as fathers that we need to walk lowly just as the lord jesus he had all authority he had all power he created the universe but he walked lowly and humbly and even his own family didn't recognize who he was And didn't want to recognise that even as he got into the ministry. But finally came around to understanding who their half-brother was or who their son was. Uh, Walk lowly. If we're full of pride and arrogance and self-importance, doesn't work. Doesn't go with the message of the Lord. Just does not. A father will listen to his family. And this is the one we finished with last time. I should... So I said to myself, I'm going to go quickly through those. (laughs) But we've probably forgotten from last year. Where's Brother Doug? He's he's, he's not rostered on today. He'd probably remember. (laughs) Doug. He's not here. He's here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God listens to his children. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And he's... Ears are open unto their prayers. He's listening. He's listening 24-7 for 70 years plus to our prayers. If we know in John 1 John 5.15, if we know that he heareth us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. He listens. Listen to your children. Well, it's not important. They just scratch their knee. Listen to your children. Even if they, you think it's just all pretending, you know how they pretend, they cry wolf when they're not really hurt. <laughs> Listen to them, discern that, 
and act appropriately toward the children. As God does to us, he is concerned. He, he knows everything about us. He knows the hairs on our head and the sparrows that fall, we've said. Now we come to the next. Our Father, and we <coughs> our Father will be loyal to his family. The Lord Jesus has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. God is loyal, loyal all the way, <laughs> even when we're not loyal, even when we wander away and do a prodigal. He gives us eternal life and he tells us that we shall never perish, John 10. Romans 8 and verse 28, if God be for us, who can be against us? He's loyal to us. And all the way through scripture, it speaks of God's loyalty to us. And I think one wonderful thing is to show how loyal and how long God is loyal to those of his own. Think of the people of Israel, the Jewish nation. <laughs> Remember, we've studied about how that, uh, you know, they got into idolatry real early and God said, I'll wipe the slate clean. I'll start with you, Moses. Moses pled with them and, and yes okay I've made that promise I'm not going to break it God made a promise to keep them he made a promise to Abraham Isaac and Jacob Jacob and he's going to be loyal to that promise no matter what we think and how we say they don't deserve it they crucified the, their Messiah but still he's going to be loyal to them and he pictured that in the man Hosea who had an unloyal wife who went off into adultery and uh, whoredom and uh, as we've been we've looked at that recently somewhere and the names of the children it seems the first child was between um, Hosea and Gomer his wife but the next two because of the meaning of their names it doesn't seem that they were Hosea's children from the names that they were giving unwanted unloved a, a child without a father that was the girl the second one and the, the third the third one um, <clears throat> sort of despised, separated, out on his own. But then right in the middle, you uh, I'm getting to love Hosea more and more as I read through it. But right in the middle, almost in the middle, I thought I worked it out to see if it was right. It's not quite in the middle verse of the chapters of Hosea. There God has said, I will go and return to my place till they, Jesus has gone and returned to his place until they, the Jews, Acknowledge their offence, their offence of rejecting their Messiah and seek my face. And so for 2,000 years, God is going to be loyal to them, but they're not loyal to him. But he's going to come back. And doesn't that speak of to us of children that have gone astray, children that have walked away from their heritage as a, in a Christian family? They could have had eternal life, but they've rejected it. Remain loyal to them. Pray for them. Seek their salvation. But don't push it too hard. Because what do you do when you push? Push them away. You've, you know that the formative years were younger. And so if you've got young children, there is the opportunity. When they're young, when they're formative, when they're, when they're easily swayed, that's the time to minister the word to them. But <clears throat> the Lord said he'll go and return to his place and he's loyal to the Jewish nation he'll, and he'll come again. 
and uh, they will believe on him. But oh, the pain and the suffering they've been through. And Christian, if we go away and astray from the Lord, the pain and the suffering and the consequences might be for the life, our life. But praise God, he will have us back. (laughs) And we'll do that if we're still on planet Earth next year (laughs) and Father's Day. And you know, the, you know the portion of scripture, Luke 15 and the prodigal. The father will labor for his family. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but as a father, I felt responsible. You know. <clears throat> and the Lord opened the door to make us so that we could have the means by which to meet the children's needs, the, whether it be TAFE fees, uni fees, or... Um, Whatever it is, uh, wedding, the weddings, they're, they're the big ones. Although education today is pretty big too. But to have that means, and as we had that need, the Lord met the need. And uh, as Brother Weeks used to said, he, he prayed that the Lord would provide him, Evangelist Weeks, provide him with some money. And the Lord gave him, someone knocked phoned up and said, listen, I need a tree cutting down. Could you do it? And it was hanging over a house. He said, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> he said, this is the need being met and uh, laboured to meet the need. And the job was done and he didn't wreck the house. <laughs> he was telling me about it. But he will labour to meet his children's needs. <clears throat> there in the book of Thessalonians, there it tells us very plainly that we are to labour to do and meet the needs of our family. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, Paul said, and he was, as it were, a spiritual father to these children, but wrought with labour and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. What an example. But not because we have no power, we could have made you pay, but we didn't for our spiritual ministry but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And so that's pretty pointed in that portion of Scripture. <clears throat> Paul also said in 1 Timothy 5.8, If any provides not for his own house, he's worse than an infidel. And so it's very important that we labor to meet the needs of our family. And in that verse in Timothy, it doesn't say that the government provides for our needs. And this is a real worry in our country now, that many people have gotten used of living on the $1,500 or $1,200, I think it's down to now. And they realise, well, I don't even have to go to work. I have all day off, all week off, all month off, and still have my needs you know, supplied by the government. Well, somebody has to pay that bill. Somebody has to pay the, for the bill. And it shouldn't be the government. Biblically, for Christians, it's dad in the family. Meet that need. and So that we might be able to stand before the Lord and not be ashamed when he comes. A father will be lavish to his children. And I like this one. God has blessed us abundantly. Yeah, see the voice is starting to... This is three weeks old, there's no bugs in it. <laughs> no corona. <laughs> Tim might have sprayed that one too. <laughs> With a, Anyway, the father will be lavish to his children. Psalm 139, 14. 
I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God is and has done wonderful things for us. If there was none of us and none of this world, well, of us is just one of us. <laughs> what sort of things would have we created, imagined, to bring into being? You see, there was none of us, but God made us after his image. In the image of God made he man. And we have emotions, we have will, we have intellect, we have reasoning. And uh, that uh, other living things have not. We have. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're artistic. All the, those things that God has given to us. And then he's given us everything in this world to make things of. And I'm amazed when I hear and I'm interested in those documentaries where it it shows how thing, man has made things out of the earth, out of things of the earth. Mm. Who's the... Gina Reinhardt. Mm. Was it her dad was flying over and had to fly low for some reason in a plane? Yeah. Lane Hancock. Yeah. Lane Hancock. Mm. He had to fly over and he saw all this um, red, real red stuff <laughs> in the Pilbara. What was it? It was iron ore. <laughs> I mean, he didn't go out of the magnet and that. He discovered it by flying over it. And the riches that could be dug out and those dump trucks that are carrying hundreds of tons each, one after the other. And God has provided abundantly. And right back <clears throat> to Bukain, back in Genesis, not long after creation, they were making musical instruments and it talked about brass as well. Can any of us go out there and dig up some ore and melt it down and make it into all those things? No. Yeah, Matthew, you might be the closest to it, <laughs> you know, being as you are in that. But we think, wonderful what God has provided for us. It's just dirt. <laughs> it looks like just rocks, rusty rocks and brass. <clears throat> oh, God is wonderful in supplying all these things. He lavishes it upon us. And when he does it, he doesn't do it in a minor way. He does it in a major way. <laughs> and when he's going to do it in the future, it's going to be big, <laughs> not small. We got, we got a tree, a pink albizia, it's called, in the backyard. We wanted a tree that would smell nice, look nice, and shed its leaves. And we chose that. But it's got a bit of a lean to it. <laughs> and now it's got little bugs in it, what, borers. And they can't get rid of them. I've been trying to... Anyway, <clears throat> when it has its pods, it has pods about that long with thousands of them. And in every pod, there's heaps of little seeds. Parrots are coming and eating them out of the lawn now. But thousands, I'd say millions, just on a little tree. When God does something, he does it abundantly. And that's everywhere in creation. You look in the seas. It's full of abundance. If you haven't been to, and you're not allowed to right now, go to Queensland and go out into the reef and get, go snorkelling <clears throat> or go diving and dive amongst the fish. And you say, wow. You know, on the, on the documentaries, it looks good. You need to go there and try it and have it look, look with your own eyes. The colour and the way it all works 
together. God has lavished us with so many wonderful things, so many proofs that he does exist. Look around you. And these supposed intelligent people saying that it evolved to be what it is is absolute nonsense. There's a great designer behind all these things. And it's your father, our father, who is in heaven that designed these things. Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles there, turn to that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together. Not only the things we see, the material things that he has lavished upon us, but the things he allows. They've all worked together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. How many, when we get to heaven, will have the testimony that it was through a tragedy or through some terrible thing that happened in their life that they turned to God? And for that they will be grateful and thankful for all eternity because he worked it together for good to lead them his way. That's our God. That's our Father who loves us. To them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he knew way back that would make that decision, he also did predestinate. Predestination. (laughs) Once you're saved, you're on that road and you can't get off it. (laughs) He's predestinated you unto good works and to be conformed to his image. It's like the, in other portions of scriptures, like the <clears throat> man with the clay, a potter. He gets the clay and he's molding it into shape. And as we go through life, he's pushing here, pressing there, and making us into shape. <clears throat> into the conformed to his image is what he wants. The image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. You heard the call of God. (laughs) And whom he, them, let's see, whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he glorified. It good has done. These are lavish things that God has given us. The promise that you're going to make it. (laughs) There's going to be no failures on the road for those who have become Christians. If they're walking away from God and they stubbornly refuse to yield to the the potter's pressure on their life, God will often take them, take them to glory because there's been a bad testimony down here. But he's going to make us to be conformed and he's going to glorify us one day. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? What can we say to these things? We can say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord to these things. God's for us. Who can be against us? If it ever came, comes, and it could, the way we see things going, to the Christians being taken prisoner for their belief, then we might start thinking about these thoughts. God's for us. Who can be against us? It doesn't matter. God knows what's going on here. If you're living in China and taken captive... <clears throat> And it worries me that that's the sort of system they want in our country. That's really pressing that way. But if God's for us, who can be against us? Those who were persecuted and martyred in the times past, they had that instilled in their hearts and lives 
that, you know, God's for me. And almost all of them you hear testimony of, they were pleading for those that were persecuting them and killing them to become a Christian. Not saying, curse you, you know, I, I, I hate you. No, no, they, don't, they didn't do that. He lavishes his love upon us so that all the way, no matter which way it is, and over in Romans 11, after Paul has dealt in 9, 10 and 11 with the Jewish people and he loved them, he, he said, this is a marvellous thing. He said, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, and who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And Paul just got to the point, he says, in, in praising God, what a wonderful God we have. We are blessed with an eternal soul and spirit. We have a sovereign Father in heaven, we have a sinless Saviour who offered himself for us. We have a sustaining spirit, the Holy Spirit, that teaches us on the way of life, calls us to salvation. We have the scriptures that we can read and find sustenance from all through life. Salvation, we've got sanctification, we have opportunity to serve the Lord, the God of heaven. He's shown us and he's gifted us with gifts. And if you want to read about the gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, about the gifts he gives us. He's lavished these things upon us. You know, when you're gifted at doing something and you know it, <laughs> you can become what about it? Yep. Here we go. Oh, look at me. <laughs> look what I can do. You know who gave it to you? You know who made you as you are. With the IQ you have, God did. He lavished that upon you. He didn't have to. He chose to. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 3 and 6 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. As God lavishes upon us all these good things, fathers, you ought to do as best you can, not spoiling the child, but giving the child that which you understand will bring them to the maturity that they need to have, to the salvation they need to have in the Lord Jesus and to grow in the Lord Jesus. Giving them the opportunities. You know what's the danger of a person that's talented and gifted and able to do it? For those people under his care. The, the, the danger is, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and you're not. But how did you get the opportunity to, to, to develop your abilities and talents? Somebody gave you the opportunity. Somebody put that thing in your hand one day, Chris. What was that? That Shearer thing, huh? <laughs> probably your dad <laughs> and Matthew you know and we all learn we all grow and uh, they, the, the opportunities God gives us the talents he gives us not to think of ourselves don't get proud about it look at the book of Ephesians if you turn there 
And these are little things. You can pick them out yourself and find them all through the Bible where God the Father has done all these things for us. Let's share them as a good father will with his children. <clears throat> Be gracious. Chapter 1 and verse 7 of Ephesians. We read there, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace, lavishly bestowed. We have redemption through that, the forgiveness of sins. Point them, your children, to the Lord. Chapter 2, verses 4. We read, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love which he, with which he loved us. Even, even when we were dead in sins, were unsaved, were, were his enemies. Hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace. He's lavished upon us salvation. Think of how God treated you and how we ought to treat our children. Verse 7 of chapter 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That, in the, that, that means heaven, doesn't it? <laughs> that in the ages to come, we might continually be learning about the lavish God and what he has for us. Hey, that makes us think, not so much down here on this plane, earthly plane, but think about eternity. Think about the wonderful things that God has prepared for those that love him. <clears throat> no good thing, said Psalm 84 verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. He giveth us richly all things to enjoy, in another verse, in 1 Corinthians 2.9. But it is written, eye hasn't seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And in the next verse it talks about that we can begin to know them through the Spirit teaching us. He lavishes these things upon us. I go and prepare a place for you in John 14. If that doesn't inspire us to live and to look forward to eternity, what will? He's, he's, he's doing this for us. And it's pictured, I think, in the last book of Revelation and the last chapters of it there, the New Jerusalem. First John 3, 2. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's promised that to us as his children. What a wonderful thought to be like him, the Lord Jesus. Revelation 21.1, new heavens and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Behold, he said in verse 5 of Revelation 21, I make all things new. Who likes new things? <laughs> Heaven is going to be a new thing. Thanks be to God that give us, giveth us unspeakable, his unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus. Every good gift, said James 1.17, is perfect gift and it's from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is not stingy. God is lavish. God does all he can do and he gives us all he can trust us with. You hear that? <laughs> the Lord knows if we got something that would hurt us, it's best not to. And we do that as parents. 
And we ought to do, let's not spoil the, what is it, spare the rod and spoil the child, because if you do, you make a rod for your back. Let's have it in balance, as God does meter out. He gives us things as we grow older and more mature in him. From them that walk uprightly, we noticed a little bit earlier. Let's skip over um, the eighth point and go to the ninth point, because we read Psalm 23. A father will lead his children. A father will lead his children. And how will he lead them? By just telling them, by shouting at them, by... No. He'll lead by example. He'll lead by example. And the Lord has done that. Verse 3 of chapter 23 of Psalm. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And who... Have we, as a great example, the Lord Jesus himself, while he was down here, he took upon himself the form of a man, made in the likeness of men, Proverbs 2. <clears throat> um, well, where does he lead us to? In verse 2 and 3, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. And the still waters of the Lord. <laughs> he gives us eternal life, the water of life. The Samaritan woman is an example there. Back in the Old Testament, the, the smitten rock. He leads us to the water, to the fountain of life and gives us eternal life. <clears throat> Lead your children that way. Um, I'm glad for um, the wife that the Lord gave me, Jill. She just loves kids and loves ministering to kids. She just does that. <laughs> and... Um, <clears throat> She's firm, yep. She's English. <laughs> She's systematized. <laughs> when I first met her and she wrote something, <laughs> she can write across a page in a straight line without a line under it. And mine goes... <laughs> but anyway, she, lo- she just loves doing that. I don't know how, you know how much longer we can, we can keep going, but you know, ministering to children is a wonderful thing in their formative years and leading them to the still waters of life. They're doing the prodigal son today over there. and uh, <clears throat> I think they've done four rich men of the Bible in the last four weeks, <laughs> four rich men in a Bible story. But... Leading these little ones. And, and they like uh, Andrew's little girl. Am I in the book of life? You know, sometimes the penny drops with these little ones. And you don't know when it's going to happen. And, they, and the spirit of God is working in them. They're precious. As, as I've said many times. They're the only, as it were, possession. But they're not really ours. They're on loan from God to us. They're the only thing. You can take to heaven with you. Oh, save the rewards. Their rewards follow them, it says in Scripture. But wouldn't it be wonderful to have all the children and the grandchildren and the ones you don't see, the great-grandchildren, if the Lord tarries, and the great-great-grandchildren? You know, it can go on. Your influence, your input, fathers, in giving them and leading them to the still waters of life, as in Psalm 23, can have years of effect to follow take of the water of life freely Isaiah 55 tells us lead us in green pastures 
when the sheep have eaten the paddock out, and, and maybe you've got grazing wheat. Has anyone got grazing wheat this year? No? You, you've got some? And you open the gate into the grazing wheat. What do they do? Straight in. <laughs> they're, they're in there. <laughs> and they're always trying to get ahead of their mate, aren't they? They nibble a bit and they take off and the other one moves, he moves it, and they just spread out all over it instead of just... But the green pastures that God leads us to, folks, <laughs> are wonderful. And if you're in a Christian family and been raised, appreciate that. Thank the Lord for the green pastures their fathers have led you into. <clears throat> in John's, John's Gospel, chapter 10 <clears throat> and verse 9. Excuse me. If we look at this, John 10, and this is talking about the Good Shepherd. As Psalm 23 talks about him as our shepherd and leading us to still waters. Here in John 10 and verse 9. I had it written, but I can't see it. I, yes, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Find pasture. No drought with the Lord for the Christians a desire to know the truth. He will lead them into green pastures. Um, <clears throat> in Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 11. Well, let's go straight to verse 13. No, no, we have to read verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Well, of course not. That's logical. Or if he ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then... Ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Ghost, or give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Yes, he leads us to green pastures through the Holy Spirit that he's given us and teaches us and leads us in ways of truth. Now, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's because I might be forgetting things, but I'm reading through the Bible and say, oh, I haven't seen that before. <laughs> and I've been studying it for 50 years. And you say, wow, look at that truth. Look how that truth goes with that truth. From the Old or New Testament and it goes together. Oh, wonderful. The Holy Spirit leading <laughs> into truth. The Father will lead his children to still waters of life, to green pastures and teach them. And he'll lead them in paths of righteousness as well in the book of Ephesians the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 and this is talking about the responsibility of parents to their children and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord in paths of righteousness bring them up in the nurture and admonition of God like Timothy was like Abraham did in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, it reads there, For I know him, said God about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. God knew that that would happen. And it seems that it's in the genes for Abraham's children because at least 20% of them over there now, even though they've been scattered out of their country for 2,000 years... 20% are orthodox and they just 
go over and over and over the Old Testament. But they go over and over their traditions too. They need to ditch that and then to get back to the book, back to the Word of God. And be led of God to the truths of God. And Abraham said, or God said of Abraham, he will do it that way and he will instruct his children. Lead them, men. If, if now I'm not knocking them, mums do that and they love to do it, but if mum only teaches them the truth of God's word, there's going to be a lack. There's going to be a lack. Because they need to see that this is important to dad too. This is important. So, and doesn't the Bible say, if you're at church and you, you as a wife don't understand what's being said, what does it say in the Bible? Ask your husband at home. What did that mean? And so therefore, the husband should know his stuff. <laughs> he should know the Bible, he, he, that he's able to give an answer. And, and husbands, I know because I'm a husband. How do you often react when your wife asks you that sort of question? Honey, you know, what does this mean? Sometimes you can get upset and angry because it shows your ignorance because you haven't studied it. <laughs> and you're... <laughs> I should know the answer to that and I don't. Get into the book. It's the most important thing to do. Lead your children to waters of life, to pastures green, like Abraham did, like Joshua. He, he did too in Joshua. 24 verse 15, listen to what he said. And if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know the verse. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, before they went through the Red Sea in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites, where they'd been surrounded by as they travelled, in whose land ye dwell, but as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, how God is pleased when he hears that from a father. We will serve the God of the universe. And over and over again, and we're we're done, but in the New Testament, it tells us of the example, the example of Christ, 1 Peter 2.21. He set us an example in his sacrifice. In Romans 15, he's, it tells us there we are to set an example there as, in Christian living. He, the Lord Jesus, set an example. He washed the disciples' feet, John 13. The Old Testament, uh, recorded in brief in Hebrews 11, gives us example after example of what we should do. In faith. Paul to Timothy, he set an example in 1 Timothy 4.12. He showed Timothy by example how to live. Men, they're not listening. Dads, they might not necessarily listen to what you say, but they'll see what you do. Set a godly example. Have your children seen you in the book? Have they seen you praying? Oh, I'm too tired to go to church today. I know you have a hard week and you work hard, but do you go to church? Do you seek, do you desire to? They can pick up on whether they really want. I, 
I'll, I'll close with this one. An example. I remember walking out from the old farmhouse at Emerald on the long path. Concrete one. And we're going out, and I've used it before, but it's sort of one that I remember too, and I know Mum and Dad did too. We're walking out there, and our six kids were following. We're going over to Uncle Ron's, Ron Knowles, our cousins. <clears throat> we got all the way out to the old Pugjove car, the station wagon. We all piled in. We were piling in, and Dad said, "Ah, oh, it's Sunday. They'll be at church." I'll get out and go back inside. And I said, the religious fanatics. <laughs> That's what I said. And Dad and Mum looked. What? <laughs> Our son saying that? Now I'm a pastor, I'm here every week, and <laughs> several times. But, you know, there wasn't being an example set. Maybe, yeah, there wasn't a church in town. I know they tried to get a Sunday school going in Cockatoo. And at Avonsley, at the little town there, an old church, and Mr. and Mrs. Furlong taught us in Sunday school. I've still got the Bible, I got as a prize. But set an example to your children. Not by saying, you've got to go. No, you, 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 you take me. A wise father will not take his children, I mean, send his children to church, he will take them to church. Listen, fathers, we've got a great responsibility, great privilege. Great opportunities. Use them to bring your children to eternal habitations. And it will be wonderful. It'll be worth it. <laughs> when you get to heaven and the children are there and the grandchildren are there, it'll be worth it all, won't it? To see the children there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the example that our Father in heaven you have set for us as fathers. Oh, that we might look into it and follow it hard. That we might not slack off. It only takes one mistake and children remember the mistakes of their parents. The times they said things and did things and lost, and went off the handle at, on occasions, Lord, and lost it. And they remember that more than all the times at church and the spiritual instruction. Oh, Lord, give us patient faith that we might learn to do in our lives what you have done for us and that we might have those that follow us as the little lambs on into heaven to be there with our Father for eternity. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.